Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We've been in the series called 10, and what we've been doing is we've been talking about the 10 qualities of a disciple. Many of you have been journeying with us. If you haven't, uh, what we've been doing is we've been saying it every week. Really, there's not just 10 qualities of a disciple, but we've been just taking out 10 different qualities we see in the scripture that Jesus and some of his disciples and some of the men in the, in the Bible teach us about what discipleship is and how to really walk and live uh, and being a disciple of Christ. We've been talking about the difference from a believer and a disciple, the difference from just believing in Jesus and then really being a disciple of Jesus. We've said it every week. We'll continue to say it. We want to make sure that we, we say this. Believing is not bad. Believing in Jesus is how it all starts. So when we're saying we're comparing, we're not saying believing in Jesus is wrong and disciple of Jesus is right. We're saying there's believing in Jesus is how it starts. But then as we believe in Jesus, the Bible says our faith goes into action. That faith without works is dead. So then we go into this walking out our salvation, walking out our belief and following Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus. Does that make sense? So we're talking about the 10 qualities of a disciple. Today, I want to talk to you about a very important quality that I believe what is a, a huge quality of a disciple, and that is a disciple is one who makes disciples. A disciple is one who makes disciples. We've been using the text all month long, all series long. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, it says, Go therefore and this is Jesus speaking. Isn't it interesting that he doesn't say go and be disciples? Jesus is talking, this is right before he ascends to heaven, and he says, hey, he's talking to believers. He's talking to people who have been following him for years. He's talking to people who saw him crucified. He's talking to people who saw him resurrected. And he says, hey, this is what I want you to do. On my last moments with you, I want to share with you some of the most important things, and this is it. Go and make disciples. Don't just go and be a disciple. Being a disciple is important, but I want you to go and now make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and I will be with you always. So here's what Jesus is doing. He's been making disciples. He's been training them. He's been coaching them. He's been teaching them. He's been walking with them. He's been making disciples. On his last moments with the disciples, he says, okay, now I've trained you to be a disciple. Now go and make disciples. I'm sure the disciples are like, whoa, Jesus. Hold up a second. Hold up. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not necessarily at the qualification of the skill level of you are to really walk out and make disciples. I don't know all the things you know. I haven't been walking like you have my whole life. I, I, I don't necessarily know if this is how we do it. How do we make disciples? And I love it. Jesus, in this small phrase, shows us very important, very quickly, how to make a disciple or what a disciple even is. He says, go and make disciples. And then he says, I love it, teaching them everything I have commanded you, teaching them to obey Everything I have commanded. See, when we talk about discipleship, a lot of times in churches, or we talk about being disciples, we're not talking about making clones. 
We're not talking about making spiritual robots. We're not talking about everybody's got to be like Jordan or everybody's got to be like you. Or every, and if you don't, then you don't fit the mold of what a mold, a mold, the mold of a disciple. That's not what Jesus is talking about. I love it. He says, okay, well, what does it look like? It looks like this. This is literally what discipleship is and what, how we teach people to be disciples. It's this, teaching them to obey everything he has commanded. What does that mean? This is what, how we and what we do to make disciples. We help people as individuals, to hear God's voice and to obey his voice. That's what discipleship is. That's what being and making a disciple is. It all boils down to helping, one, we learn how to hear his voice and we learn how to obey his voice. And then we turn around and we help someone else learn to hear his voice and obey his voice. Over our own feelings, over their own feelings. This is the, 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 the concern, I'll say it that way, of the Christian culture in our country is that we oftentimes, we obey God's voice or we hear God's voice only as loud as, as, or only until our feelings get louder. And so then what happens is now we start to obey or, or, or respect or chase our feelings instead of continuing to obey and honor and chase his voice. And so as disciples, we are to, one, learn his voice, know his voice, and then and obey his voice. But then now it doesn't stop there. Jesus says, now go, and I want you to do the same. I want you to go and make other disciples. Help other people around you know his voice and learn how to obey his voice. It's, I love it. It says that in 28, 19, therefore go and make. I wrote this down. Believers want to be disciple. Disciples want to be, dis disciples want to disciple others. Believers want to be discipled. Disciples want to disciple others. See, it, we can quickly get caught up in stopping at, I want to, I want to learn his voice. We can quickly stop at, I want to learn to know his voice and I want to learn to obey his voice. And that's important. That we don't, want to we don't want to just disobey his voice or not know his voice. That's not what we're talking about. But it can't stop at just knowing his voice. Now, but disciples say, okay, now I want to help someone else know his voice and hear his voice. It says, go and make. Jesus literally says, go and make. As if disciples don't make themselves. I remember when I was young, I worked at Subway. Yeah, I worked at Subway. Yeah, I did. I was a sandwich artist, and that's what I did. Respect. And I remember, if you don't know about Subway, Subway bakes their own bread, and you got to like, you got to get it all prepared, and you got to get it in the oven. You got to do that. I remember we were running out of white bread, and I remember, no, no kidding. I remember being with one of the employees that I was working with. I said, we're running out of bread. Okay, we got to break the bread. We got to make the bread. Okay, cool. We got it. About an hour later, we're getting real close to running out of bread. And I said, hey, did you make the bread? Did you bake it? And like, oh, no, I didn't do it. And I literally remember saying, what do you think? It's going to make itself? You got to get in there and do it. It's like if you go and your grass is getting longer and you buy yourself a nice lawnmower, you buy yourself a weed eater, you buy yourself a nice blower, and then you get it all set up all in the garage. Maybe even you put it outside around the grass and you say, now let me sit back and let me go watch TV. And you come back and you're shocked that the grass has not been cut. 
Why? Because the grass isn't going to. It's the same thing with our spiritual walking with disciples. For some reason in our brains, we think disciples just happen. And God says, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want you to know. I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. I want to I put it on you, on us as believers, as ones who want to be disciples. I'm going to put it on you and say, hey, I want you to go and make them. Now, when we say make disciples, we're not talking about, like I said a moment ago, like we're in a factory and we're just cloning one another or we're controlling one another. I've been in those type of environments where if you didn't fit the mold, you were controlled in a way of having having to be a certain type of person or you didn't fit into that type of body of Christ. And that's not godly. That's not what God's talking about. That's control and manipulation. That's not what discipleship is. Discipleship is, I understand, those people around me are not gonna learn to hear his voice and obey his voice if I'm not willing to step out and share and show how to do that. Does that make sense? And so it's on us. And so we can oftentimes think, oh, it's just going to happen. No, they don't make themselves. Jesus wants us to know. It's, it's, for, it's on the body of Christ. It's on those who call themselves Christians to go and to truly make disciples. John chapter 15 and verse 15, it says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. This is Jesus speaking. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will, fruit that will, so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. I want you to go and I want you to bear fruit. And I want you to bear fruit that will last. That's what being a disciple is. See, bearing fruit is we, we help people see Jesus. We help people come to know Jesus. That's bearing fruit. But bearing fruit that will last is then discipleship because if we're not careful, if we're not helping people hear God's voice, know his voice, and obey his voice, the world's voice is gonna come in or the enemy's voice is gonna come in. It's gonna cause people to become distracted and they leave the faith. Fruit that will remain, that will last, is the responsibility on us. Jesus is the one that does it, but for some crazy reason, he chooses to use us. And it's an honor. It, what an incredible privilege it is. See, we look at discipleship sometimes and being, making disciples as this responsibility or obligation. It's such a privilege. Why? Because the creator of the universe is giving us the opportunity as humans to make an eternal impact in someone else's life. And so it's important for us to understand this. God's called all of us to be, be people that go and make disciples. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. This is Paul writing to Timothy, and he's saying, hey, don't let people look down on you because you're young. He was, a young, he was younger in his, in his life of age, but this can look at it for us as far as in our age or even just in our faith, or maybe we don't think we know enough, or maybe we don't think we, we have enough uh, experience to make disciples. Hey, he says, don't, don't let people look down on you. He says, instead, be an example to other believers 
He doesn't say just be an example to non-believers. He's saying to people that are believers who believe in me, who believe in Jesus, I want you to go and be an example to them. Show them what it's like, model a lifestyle for them to see what it is to really walk with me. Does that make sense? Titus chapter two and verse seven, and you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. You yourself must be an example. I wrote this down. Believers look for a healthy example. Disciples look for it to be a healthy example. Believers look to, for, to, for a healthy example. Disciples look to be a healthy example. Here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. We say, how do we, how do we make disciples? How do we help people know his voice, to hear his voice and obey his voice? One of the best ways we do that is by modeling what a disciple is, by modeling how to walk and hear God's voice. Here's the question we have to ask ourselves. In the lifestyle that we live from Sunday to Sunday, those that in-between time, which is a lot of time, most of our lives, are we living a life that is worth, not worth, are we living a life that we can say is being examples to those around us on helping people hear his voice and obey his voice? What kind of example, what kind of model are we representing? Because oftentimes, believers, we, we wanna look for those examples. We, we love to have someone that we look up to and we say, man, they're a godly man or, oh, they're a godly woman and, oh, they love Jesus and, oh, they love their spouses and, oh, they, they're, they're faithful to their family. And we love that and that's great. And that's great to have those that we look to. But here's the question. Are we doing the same for those around us? In our workplaces, are you at a place where someone can say, oh yeah, man, that, that person, that he loves his, his spouse, or oh man, he loves Jesus, oh, he loves his children, oh, he's, he's always praying when everybody else is cursing, and, and we're giving ourselves an opportunity to be an example to those around us. A model, if you will, of what a Christian, a disciple looks like. See, oftentimes what we like to do is we like to be window examples. You ever been in a mall, in a, in a, in a shopping center, whatever you want to call it, and you walk by, and like as, as you're walking by, you see an outfit. You're like, man, that outfit looks good. You're like, you know what? My arms aren't as big as his, and, that, and you know what? My body type might be shaped a little different, but man, you know what? I'd look good in that outfit. The glass is protecting whatever it is that you're looking at. And you're just looking from afar and you see it and man, it looks nice. See, oftentimes this is how we want to be in our walk with God and our, and our being an example to others. Here's what we do. We, we'll be an example to you, but from far away. So now, because you can't really see everything about my life now, it's a facade to you on what it really looks like to walk with Jesus. So now we create this expectation of people who don't know God or who, who are just getting to know God of this expectation that they think they could never reach because they see this window model. And this is why it's so important that we walk with people. This is why Jesus says, go and make disciples. This is why he says, we all go and make disciples. Why? Because there are people that you are walking with in your life 
that know you at a deeper level than they know me. They're only seeing me from a window dressing or win a window dressing. I don't know about window dressing. They're only seeing me from a window model. And so now if they just see me, then they're saying, oh, I could never obtain that. But here's what they do when they're walking with you and you walk through pain and you say, no, let's stop and pray and trust God in this situation. Now they see what a true disciple looks like. It's walking with people. Being an example to someone, and that's, that's the greatest way to do that is through relationship, connection with one another. And it starts in the home. For those that are parents in the room, it starts in the home. The most important people that God has given us to disciple are in the home. And I'll say this. We oftentimes, for those that are parents in the room, we oftentimes get into the control side of things. And it should be, especially for those that have teenagers, it, gets, it goes from the control side of, of listen to me, listen to me, and it has to shift in our brains and have to shift into our hearts and to the coaching side of things. Because if you just control for 18 years, guess what? They're gonna turn 19, 18 and a half, and you know what's gonna happen. And so it has to be discipleship is, yes, let me teach you the right way to do things, but then now let me coach and model for you. There's no greater example that you can give someone than show them in your home how to truly walk and listen to Jesus. It starts in the home. Now, for those of you that aren't parents, that's totally fine. It still starts in your home. You may have brothers or sisters, or you may have a close friend. Are you walking in a way that's an exa of example of Jesus, of showing them how to hear Jesus and not just hear him, but then also obey him? Because we can use all kinds of excuses. This is what Timothy was doing. He says, no, 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 listen to me. Timothy was saying, oh, I'm young. Oh, nobody's listening to me because of my age. And oh, I just, I'm just not respected the way I should. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. He said, don't worry about all that. Instead of being concerned and caught up in that, just be an example in the way that you live. And your example will show others what a true disciple is. It's so important that we would have people in our lives that we look to. Absolutely. But then also we should be doing the same for others. I say this, there's a relational, relational chart that I think every person should live by. It's, there's three tiers. The first tier is we have people in our lives that we look up to that we say we desire to live in that way. So if you see someone, for those that are married, you see someone, you say, I want my marriage to be like that. Or if, you, if you're single, you see someone that's single and walking in purity and walking in faithfulness, you say, I want to walk in that way. We're looking, we have someone that we see that prays, that seeks God, that, that trusts God. I want to I live like that. So there's this tier relation that we should have people that we're looking up to, that we're desiring to be more like. Doesn't mean that we're trying to be them. That's not what we're saying. We're not making clones, but that we wanna, we wanna continue to pursue a relationship like they have with God or with others. Does that make sense? Then, so that's the first tier. The other tier, the next tier is our friends, our, our, our homies, our bros, if you're a gentleman, or ladies, your, your girls. This is the ones you just cut up with. You're just yourself. You just do your thing. You just can't, what, you, you're just homies. You just, it's you and you and you and you and you're just hanging, okay? Those are important because that gives you an opportunity to really build relationships and just enjoy one of the, I think, one of the greatest gifts God gives us and that's relationships, okay? 
Then there's a third tier, and that's people that are looking up to us, that we're saying. So there's, there's three tiers. I'm looking up to somebody. I have someone that I'm walking with, and then I also have someone that I'm helping up. Oftentimes, we stop at just this. And here's what's interesting. We oftentimes look for our friends and for all three of those relational tiers, relationship tiers. Now, here's the problem about that. When our friend is going through the same thing we are, we're not looking up to them. We're walking through the same thing as them. So now we have no goals, no target, because we're just doing the same things they're doing. Or we're just in the same mess as they are, so we're not, we're not being an example to them because they we're walking through the same junk as they are, and so we're now just all stuck at the friend level, the friend zone, if you will. That one just came to me. We should have, there's a relationship tier, relational tiers. One, I have someone and people, it can be more than one, I have people in my life that I'm looking up to, I'm walking with, that are, that's helping me continue to be who God's called me to be. Two, I have my homies, I have my friends. We kick it. But then, who in my life, and this is the question we all have to ask ourselves, who in my life am I helping up? Who in your life, because disciples make disciples, who in your life are you helping? Know God more, hear his voice, and obey his voice. It starts in the home. People that have kids, that's a great place to start. But there may be also someone in your workplace. For those that are in college, there's somebody maybe in your dorm room or maybe in your apartment complex or maybe one of your, whatever. And we, but here's what I know. God sets those relationships up. Why? Because he desires for us, one, to always continue to grow. Two, to always continue to enjoy life together. But then three, to help someone else grow as well. Does that make sense? I got to keep going. I got like 15 things to talk about. Okay, here we go. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 21, it says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I wrote this down. Believers look for purpose. Disciples live with purpose. Jeremiah 29 11 says, I know the plans, says the Lord. Then Proverbs says, Many are the plans in a person's heart. But the Lord's purpose prevails. We are a culture as far as Christianity goes. We are a society, a culture that is consumed with what am I supposed to do for God? What is, what, what's my purpose in life? What, when, and here's the, that's great, but here's the concern with that, that we can get so caught up in the purpose and, and meaning of life that we can miss the plan for today. God has a purpose for us today, and that is his plan. I love it. It says, many are the plans, but the Lord's plan prevails. And then it says in Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. God knows the plans he has for us. We get caught up in pursuing a plan and we, or, or a purpose of, of what the future holds or what we're supposed to do or where we're supposed to work or where we're supposed to move or where we're supposed to live and what's going to five years going to look like and what's 10 years going to look like and what's, and how am I going to provide for this? We've got people that aren't even married and have kids and they're concerned about how they're going to afford paying for their children. My God, you're not at that stage. You don't have to worry about that. Instead, don't be distracted by that. Why? Because those things can distract you from God's plan today. And he has a purpose for all of us today. And his purpose is literally the Great Commission. 
to go and make disciples. He gives us careers. He gives us skills. He gives us talents. He gives us abilities. He gives us education, all because he desires for us to get into our spheres of influence and make disciples. Living with a purpose and knowing, okay, God, you have me here today in this position, in this place, in this opportunity. You have me here, God, because there's people around me that you desire for me to help know your voice and obey your voice. What if you went into your workplace tomorrow and you started thinking the concept of, I'm not just working here, but God has a purpose for me here. How would that change the responses? How would that change the way that we wake up and we drag our feet? How would, we, how, how would that change our heart condition toward it? I'll say this. I know, it, I know, I know it would give us motivation to say, okay, God, it's not just about me. I know you got bigger plans than just the amount of money that I'm going to make or where I'm going to move. Could it be? We have a generation, culture, society that is so concerned with the, the next or what's gonna, what the purpose is. And could it be that God has not moved you yet into the next position, the next workplace for those that are in school and you're waiting for the next and you don't know where you want? Could it be that God has not moved us yet because there's still part of the mission where we are that he's wanting to be fulfilled? Could it be that he's waiting on us? We're waiting on him. God, why have you not moved me yet? I've been here for five years. You know what they say about me. Could it be that we're waiting on him and yet he's sitting waiting on us because he has a greater purpose in mind and he's just waiting for us to say, God, use me where I am today. Why? Because my purpose is not about what I'm doing. It's what I'm doing for you. Does that make sense? And it's so important that we understand this. This is the mindset that I believe God wants us to have, that we live with purpose today. It's not just I'm seeking purpose. I'm in God's purpose and his plan. And he knows and he has me. And then at the right time, I know he's gonna take care of whatever it is that I'm waiting for, but I'm not gonna be the one to say, God, I'm just waiting for you. And so then I'm just gonna make you wait on me. No, God, I'm gonna do what you've asked me to do, commanded me to do. And then God, when you wanna shift me elsewhere, God, I'm gonna continue to do the same thing there. Does that make sense? So important. Okay, God help us. Ephesians chapter four and verse 11. I'm gonna close, I'm gonna close. Okay, for those of whoever's doing keys, I'm gonna close. Okay, Ephesians chapter four and verse 11. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church the body of Christ. Churchy words. He says, this is what the gifts are. The gifts are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. First of all, let's stop and say this. I just want you to know the Bible says that I'm a gift to you. Some of y'all don't treat me that way. You know what I'm saying? I'm totally joking. I'm totally joking. I'm just joking. Okay. 
then their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the ministry. Isn't it interesting? The Bible doesn't say that God's given the church gifts, the apostle, the prophets, the teachers, the pastors, the evangelists, to do the work of the ministry. It says he's given the church a gift or gifts, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, the pastors, to equip God's people to do the work and build up the church. I wrote this down. Believers expect the church staff to do the work of the ministries. Disciples expect the church to do the work of the ministry. Interesting because he doesn't just say do the work. He's not just talking about serving. He says do the work of the ministry, but then he says, and build up the church. What is that? Discipleship. See, what we do oftentimes as Christians is we say, we're all in. We'll attend service. We're all in. We'll, we'll lead small groups. We're all in. We'll go to small groups. We're all in. We'll serve when you need us to serve. We'll be at trunk or treat, and we'll be at Thanksgiving, and we'll be at Christmas time. We'll come and serve and greet and be in the parking lot, and we'll come and worship. We'll come. We, we got you. We're here to serve. But then it stops. And it's interesting because, see, then we say, well, the discipleship portion, that's on the church staff. That's on the pastor. They're the ones that have to build people up. We'll just come and help them, support them, hold up their arms to do it. But it's interesting because the Bible says here that that's not the purpose. The purpose is that the, the, the pastors, the staff would be ones that equip all of us. That doesn't give the, the staff a free pass. See, sometimes people use this as an excuse where pastors, we can just sit back and just go on cruises all day long. And we say, well, y'all do the work. I'm just going to chill. No, that's not what we're talking about. We, it means that we all participate in building up the church in making disciples. No one, if you call yourself a Christian, is voided or is exempt from making disciples. We can't just stop at serving. Oh, serving is so important. Please serve. I'm telling y'all, this would be one nasty, ugly service if you came and you heard this brother play the guitar and sing. You'd be gone and you'd never come back. In fact, you'd be one of those people that leave a negative Google review. Please serve. That's not what we're saying. We're saying, I'm saying, he's saying, Paul is in the scripture, it can't stop at serving. It then has to go even a step further in making disciples, building up the church, building up people that are believing and believing in him and learning and desiring to grow and teach them how to hear God's voice and then obey God's voice. Show them by the way that we live how to hear God's voice and obey God's voice. We're not looking for perfection. That's not what Jesus is talking about in the in discipleship. He's not saying go and be perfect and then show people how to be disciples. He's saying, no, go and show people that you are just like them, that you have wounds and you have scars and you have hurts and show them that you believe and trust in a God who is greater than those wounds. Show them that there is a God that heals. Show them that there is a God that frees. Show them that there is a God that provides. We have to be a people 
people, hear me, hear me, hear me. We have to be a people that get past just coming and serving and saying, okay, God, I desire to go and make disciples. It's the responsibility of the church. What is the church? The church is the body of believers. You're like, oh, well, I'm not a member. That exempts me. No, it doesn't. If you call yourself a Christian, God calls all of us to go. And our circles of influence and our spheres and our worlds and show people and help people and teach people how to hear his voice and how to obey his voice. This is the Great Commission. This is what Jesus in his last moments on this planet said. Oh, how important is it to him that we would go and we would help him for some reason. I don't know why, but help him allow others to know him more. That we would go and that we would produce fruit, bear fruit that lasts, that remains. I believe it with all my heart that one day all of us will get to heaven. And as we get to heaven, I believe that there'll be people that come up to us and they'll say, because of the way you chose to live your life, because of the way that you chose to love, because of the when you chose to pray when no one else would, because when you chose to not go to that party and everybody else did, because of that moment when you chose to, to love your wife and you chose to honor your boss, I just something in me just said there's something about their life. And because you showed me how to read the Bible or because you showed me how to, to pray and you showed me what it looks like, I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart that we'll get to heaven and people will say, it's because of you that I came to know Jesus. And I chose to follow him for all of us. It's so important that we understand. Yes, God wants us to follow his voice. Yes, God wants us to hear his voice. Yes, God wants us to obey his voice. Yes, God wants us to serve. Yes, God wants us to be a part of what he's doing, but he can't stop there. He wants us then to go. To your schools, to your workplaces, to your neighborhoods make disciples a true disciple is one who makes disciples amen can we pray today father i thank you